What's going on, FA Nation? Long time, no talk, but uh, Dan Malin, Mike Alexander, we are back to preview this weekend's massive UFC 259 card. We have three championships on this card. Mike, how are you doing? How has been MM- how has MMA DFS been the last couple weeks? Oh, man, the Wild West. It's just <laughs> been so... I mean, MMA is a variant sport to begin with. You know, you got two people locked in a cage to fist fight. Uh, weird stuff happens. We always talk about that. But it's just been... It's been brutal. Uh, it, the dogs you don't think are going to win are pulling upsets. The safe favorites are losing. Uh, you know, I was feeling pretty discouraged, but I, I looked around the industry and a lot of the people I really respect are right there with me saying, like, just taking a beating at the bookie, you know, can't hit a parlay to save my life right now. And, you know, just straight picks, the, the percentages are way down. Um, yeah, it could be it could be that right now it's like I feel like the UFC matchmaking has pretty much just become, you know, here's the people we have willing to fight. OK, let's just sort them into an Excel spreadsheet as, you know, who matches what weight. It's the, I think that's kind of what they have to do to keep going with this pace with, with you know, a lot of people kind of getting off the rails with COVID and not wanting to fight uh, and then only probably recently returning to training. But, you know, it, it's a pay-per-view, so it's going to be more of the same. Uh, everything is a crapshoot on a pay-per-view. There's very few fights that are super clear-cut, and even the ones that are... You know, some of the title fights that are really big odds, weird stuff happens. Uh, uh, you, you see these huge favorites pulling upsets. So um, it, it's going to make for a fun landscape, though, especially if we get as many fights as they have booked. Uh, now, speaking of which, that's a great segue. Is there, I don't know, I, I guess there's always a chance that we lose a couple fights. But, I mean, the last two UFC Fight Night cards, they had, I believe, like 12 to 14 fights. And they've gotten whittled down to, I think last week's was nine uh, nine or ten, uh, but yeah, it was it was real small, um, not not great. And is that just kind of a sign that uh, just here stateside, it's one of those things where it's just it's it's COVID isn't as containable as it is when they've gone to Fight Island. That's a big part of it, and I think a big part of it is with Fight Island, like there's protocols weeks in advance. You got people who have to get on planes; they've got to be there; they got to quarantine. Um, so that's making that that positive COVID tests happen weeks out where they can salvage that fight. These COVID tests are, are popping, you know, they're in Vegas, you know, for the fights. So some people are careful, some aren't. Your training places, you you know, maybe you you weren't training before. So uh, I think that it, that is a part of it. But it's also, you know, in the MMA world, we would usually lose one fight, but they would book 13. So it would fall to 12. Sometimes you were unlucky and you lost two and it would fall to 11. And everyone would complain, we've only got 11 fights. <laughs> and now it's like, oh, God, we got 11. It's a great day. All right, so if you've listened to the MMA DFS podcast before, you know that traditionally Mike and I would break down uh, every single fight. Uh, going forward, we're not going to necessarily break down every single fight. We're trying to reserve uh, Mike's best uh, breakdowns in place for the playbook uh, for our loyal subscribers. Uh, we definitely encourage everyone to sign up uh, over on fantasyalarm.com. Mike's content is premium; it's fantastic. He gives a full playbook of the of the full slate, offers up his best plays, best strategies. Um, we, he also does a wager alarm video for three bets that he likes that week, as well as the cornerman video, which usually highlights cash game strategies, a GPP fight to target, where you kind of want exposure to each fighter, uh, and he also gives kind of a leverage play or kind of like a, a wild card play. 
Um, so since the podcast is free, we're going to be breaking down five or six fights, but we will still talk strategy. This is a huge card, uh, three championship uh, fights on the line. So I personally love cash games this week because on a lot of MMA cards, typically for DFS, you'll see people stack the main event. Now, MMA or DraftKings scoring rather has changed, so they've made it a little more difficult to stack main events. But we have three five-round fights on tap this week. Uh, so we'll just get it rolling. We'll dive right into the uh, main event of the evening, uh, light heavyweight championship between uh, Jan Blakovich versus Israel, Israel Adesanya. Uh, obviously two big names. Adesanya has potential to possibly be the face of the UFC, uh, especially if he can win this bout. Um, how do you see this one falling out? Two big names. I love the length of Adesanya. I know um, Paulo Costa kind of ripped him for that in their last fight. Uh, apparently he was hung over for it, which is just a poor excuse. Uh, but Adesanya is kind of a freak of nature. The, the length, the agility, he's just a brutal fighter as well. Uh, I think I'm going to lean Adesanya to win here, but I'd love to get your take as well. My, my favorite meme going right now is uh, about Costa, and it's the I don't always drink an entire bottle of wine, but when I do, it's the night before the most important fight of my career. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think that's just him. He's a weird dude. And, he, that didn't happen. He just got his ass kicked. But yeah. uh, that, Israel Adesanya will do that. You know, these these dudes that are at 185 are big cats, man. They they think they're going to push him around. And, like, he's hard to pin down. He's very quick. He's very long. Got great balance. Uh, you know, the, the people early in MMA that thought, I'm just going to take this dude down and, and smother him with my wrestling. They found out in a hurry. It's not easy. He pops back up. Uh, he's got a nice little judo trip that he hasn't used in a while, but um, in some of his early fights, what was the Australian dude? Um, looking here. Uh, um, before Vittori. Wilkinson. Uh, yeah, guys, primarily just a wrestler. An Australian wrestler, not great. But um, he was getting thrown around by Adesanya when he was trying to take him down at points uh, because Izzy's got that great balance. But this is, you know, this is the, the super fight. It's it's the, the 205er versus the 185er uh, as champions. Blahovich is the 205 champ. And he's a beefy 205er. You know, he probably walks around at 240, um, maybe 245. It, it, you can cut a lot of weight when, when you're that big uh, because you got more water weight to shit. Mm -hmm. uh, he's got solid wrestling. It's not his bread and butter, but it's it's in the bag. Um you know, he's better at pushing you up against the cage than, than you know, strictly take you down and ground and pound you, but it, it's there. Um, his kickboxing is, you know, it's pretty reactive. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to come out and, and put it on you for the entire round. He's precise. He's got good defense. He doesn't want to get hit. You know, he's not, he's not the guy that's going to bite down on the mouthpiece and, and wing shots. Um, so... Adesanya is kind of the same thing. He's had his best success when, when guys are coming at him. You know, Paul Acosta just chased him like a bull for a round and a half and, and got picked apart. That's not going to be Jan. I, I'm interested to see. I, I think Blahovich's path to victory is that he's able to frustrate Adesanya. Um, kind of like the when, when Adesanya fought Yoel Romero. Um, you know, Romero didn't engage him. He didn't chase him. Uh he kind of waited to try to land one big shot, but, you know, it was kind of a boring fight, and I, I think that kind of gets Adesanya feeling a little frustrated, uh, a little eager. Um, you know, so that's Jan's path to victory, is, is 
make it kind of a, a gritty fight. Don't chase him. Fight his fight. Maybe push him against the cage in spots. For Adesanya, it's it's more of the same that we've seen. Uh, use that, that length, that pinpoint kickboxing. Um, you know, he's so good at cage movement, too. You don't notice that with fights as much, uh, you know, unless you're looking for it. But when you go back and watch, you see guys try to cut angles on him, try to catch him against the cage, and they just can't do it. Uh, he's so, so light on his feet, and he's got such good uh, technique with some kicks and some jabs and stuff that just lets him slip right out and, and circle back to where he needs to be. So, you know, if, if I if I'm gonna place a bet, it's probably Adesanya, uh, you know, dancing around. It's not gonna be as exciting as as a fight as we hope. You know, for something that's been built as a super fight, but both guys are live. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, well, I mean, obviously Adesanya is, but Blahovich, I think he's live for that that size advantage, that possible strength advantage. If if he presses him up against the cage, kind of wears him out a little bit. And then, you know, maybe he does land a takedown somewhere and could be the first guy to trap Adesanya on his back for an extended period. Uh, with three five-round fights, how stackable would you say this fight is in comparison to the other two? I'd rank it second out of three. Uh, you know, Blahovich not the busiest guy, doesn't rack up takedowns. So, you know, uh, I don't see either guy getting knocked out here unless Adesanya... Gets, gets surprised. You know, Blahovich has been knocked out, but it's been with some pretty big 205ers that pack real serious power. Um, All right. So, yeah, I, I put it in, in the middle of the, the three. Next fight on the card, uh, co-main event, Amanda Nunez versus Megan Anderson. Nunez is 9600 and Anderson is $3,000 cheaper at 6600 However, we've seen a pretty good ceiling uh, in three of her last four fights from Anderson. Um, she's put up 113, 107, 91 points. So, I mean, she has the upside to get there. However, she is going against Amanda Nunez, who is, without a doubt, probably the greatest female fighter we've ever seen in MMA. Um, I know that title typically changes for a while. It was Ronda Rousey, but, you know, it's just she's she's beaten the best. She's proven that she's the best. Um, can Nunez return the value at the price tag of 90? She needs 96 points for 10x value. Do you think she can get to 11 or 12x with the new scoring? Yes, because the wrestling is there. You know, this fight had to happen. They they kept this division around for Megan Anderson. They, you know, wanted her to be able to string enough wins together. Uh, and they found two fighters that she could do it to. Um, they had to go outside of the UFC. Well, yeah, that's not saying too much because the UFC's women's 145 division is like four fighters and she'd lost to two of them. Um, so, you know, uh, to me, it's it's going to be a whitewashing. Uh, Anderson can't wrestle. She's she's gotten slightly better at it, but Nunez is just a beast. She keeps coming. She's going to take her down. Uh, she can hang with her on the feet. You know, it's not like Anderson is, is this... Uh, Jermaine Durandamy kind of kickboxer that is just a dominant force. Like, she's just really tall, and she's got a little power, but, you know, Nunez is the legend killer. Uh, she's she's putting every scalp on her wall in, in women's MMA, uh, basically. So, you know, this is probably just an, another spot for her. Um, and if she wins, it, maybe it's the end of the 145 division. If she loses, I guess that sets up a rematch, but... Um, you know, the, the narrative against Nunez, the only thing out there is really that 
she she is a you know, her and her partner have her partner had the baby, but they they are both new parents. Uh, so she's maybe not training quite as hard. Um, she has tired in some fights recently where she's dominating, but she's you know maybe getting a little tired. And and people have just been looking to cash that that big number on Nunez opponents for whenever the cliff comes. Um, I don't think this is it. I think it's going to be at 135, especially because she doesn't have to cut as much weight for this division. Uh, at, at 135 is where I think she's going to get that that next loss and and you know maybe retire after that because she's you know she's accomplished so much even though she's not that old. There's there's not that many fights left out there for her. So. Um, I think this is pretty safe. You know, she's a, a, a probably a cash play, and Megan Anderson. If you want to get real wild, uh, the ownership deep prob- field GPPs. Yeah, it's it's probably yeah. just below ten percent. Uh, ownership's going to be weird with fifteen fights. It gets real spread out, but we probably have thirteen or fourteen actually happening. But mm-hmm. still, you're right around ten percent on Megan Anderson, which is the the lowest of the low. So it sounds like among the three five round fights, this is probably the one you want to stack the least. Yeah, you know Anderson's going to give you no wrestling, uh, probably not striking volume. Um, if she wins, it's going to be a, a fluke KO, and you know then one side's not usable anyway. So. All right, last uh, championship fight to talk about the UFC bantamweight belt: uh, Peter Yan versus Aljamain Sterling. Uh, get to the DK prices. Jan is eighty four hundred. Sterling is seventy eight hundred. So by far the more balanced of the three championship fights. Um, who do you like in this fight? How do you see it unfolding? I mean, this is how much the UFC hates their their lower weight divisions. They're sticking probably like fight of the year contender as you know, not even the co-main. It's the third fight on the main card. Um, yeah, we we couldn't have had one of these fights last week or the week before, like there's been one title fight so far this year. Um, but you know, they, they're paying the title fights, big money. They need the pay-per-view dollars. I kind of get it, whatever. Uh, as far as the fight goes, really, really close fight. Jan has been a wrecking machine. Uh, you have to curb it a little bit for competition. You know, yes, Jose Aldo had a little bit left more than most people thought, but he was still over the hill. You know, was game in the first half of their fight, but uh, got smashed in the second half. Uriah Faber came out of retirement. Um, you know, one fight before his loss to, to Jan was washed up when he retired the last time. Uh, so that's not an impressive win. He beat Jimmy Rivera, but it was a close fight. And people, a small percentage of people think Rivera maybe should have won the fight or that it was closer than, than it could have been. Um, Dodson, same thing. You know, the win before that, it was Dodson's a really tough guy to fight. He acquitted himself nicely, but he didn't dominate John Dodson. And then before that's lower level domination. So, you know, this is the best fight he's going to have had to date. Um, Aljo, slightly better competition, though. You know, he, he lost to Marlon Moraes. He got kneed early in the fight. And, you know, you eat a knee like that, you're going out. But uh, he's beaten Corey Sanhagen most recently, Pedro Munoz. He beat Jimmy Rivera more dominantly. Uh, hit Cody Stamen with a Sokolov stretch that, you know, luckily didn't pop Stamen's knee out of the socket, uh, but just one of the slickest submissions you'll see in the UFC. So 
if Aljo's going to win the fight, it's probably either behind pitter-patter volume, you know, stick and move, dance, make Jan chase him and, and just be more accurate and land more, or he's going to give him a problem on the mat and submit him. My guess is that that it's probably the, you know, his, his plan A is the the former. He's going to try to stick and move, use a little bit of a reach advantage, probably an athleticism advantage. Uh, you know, at some spot he may want to try to take him down, but you know, you, you tie up with Jan, you're you're kind of in trouble because Jan has got a really nice clinch game, and you know, he's he's the shorter guy in most fights. Um, so if you get into his world, uh, that's where he can really start to go to work on you. Jan's path to victory, um, maybe knockout, uh, you know, maybe just dominating through damage. He's been pretty tough to wrestle, though, again, you know, you have to curb for competition. Raya Faber wasn't really a very good wrestler when they fought. Jimmy Rivera, not known for his wrestling. John Dodson doesn't use it, so... He hasn't been "quote unquote" tested, I would say, as as a wrestler yet. Um, so you know, we're going to find out here possibly if, if he's got anything that can be exploited there, because it's not. It hasn't been a weakness for sure, but um, you know, he, he's low center of gravity, great balance, strong. Even though he's not the biggest bantamweight, um, really close fight. I can't decide who's going to be more popular. Uh, you know, Jan has a really big following, but Aljo among you know, handicappers is getting a lot of love because he's been underrated for a while and, you know, he's the underdog here. So uh, if you can pick an underdog right in a five round fight, uh, it's gravy. Um, you know, he's the most expensive of the three title underdogs, but this is the, the most stackable fight because it probably is an ending and a finish. And these lower weight classes just have frenetic paces. So you probably get some grappling you're going to get a good striking volume and a pretty action-packed fight. Once the early going happens, you know, they'll, they'll probably take their time settling in in the first, but, you know, it'll pick up from there. All right. Next fight on the card, uh, we have Islam Makachev at 9,400 versus Drew Dober. Uh, Dober is 6,800. Makachev is riding a six-fight win streak, uh, but he hasn't fought in about 15 months by the uh, when we get to Saturday night. Um, Dober's riding a three-fight win streak, uh, fought a couple times last year, got a couple uh, wins inside the distance. I guess that's one thing I do like about Dober is that uh, I, I feel like if he's going to get a win, it probably comes inside the distance. But at the same time, uh, this reads as one of those fights where Makachev could just potentially dominate him, get a, rack up a lot of control time. Um, I mean, 9,400, we've seen him return over 100 points uh, based on the new scoring. Uh, how do you feel about this fight? You're right on Dover. Uh, he's one of the dogs you always kind of feel comfortable with because he's got that power in his back pocket that's just nasty. Um, and he's a dude that if he gets into a slugfest, he's not afraid. He will bite down. He will march forward. He had a really nice fight with Alexander Hernandez, though, you know, Hernandez looked good in his second-to-last fight, and then he fought last weekend, and he looked horrible and lost, so we don't really know where he's at. Um Kind of the same thing with Dover. He's had an up-and-down career where he looks really good, gets a knockout, loses to Benil Dariush, um, you know, KO's Marco Polo Reyes, uh, KO's Nazareth Hackfrest. Um, but, you know, then he, he has kind of a tough fight with Frank Camacho a little bit before that. He loses to OAM. 
by sub. Like, you know, it's just, it's been an up and down career for him. Uh, but he's, he seems like he's kind of turned the corner where this is his finished product for the most part. He's evolved into his, his final evolution as a fighter for the most part. His striking is as good as it's going to get with, with a little tune-up uh, withstanding. Um, his wrestling is solid. He doesn't use a ton of it, but he's got it there if he needs it. Um, he's got some submissions in, in, the, in the bag if, if it comes to that. But yeah, it's it's Makachev is going to be that that Russian coast style. Uh, he's just going to look to hold you against the cage. He's going to hold you down. He's not going to advance his position. Um, you know, he's got some submission wins in in the UFC that have been earlier. But um, you know, for the most part, it's it's like Khabib light. You know, it's it's Khabib without the aggressiveness. He, he's got the same skills, just not the same. Uh, uh, throttle. So, I, you know, it's probably not a great fight for DraftKings, but, you know, he's a very talented individual. He trains at the Eagle's Nest with Khabib and all that stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that's always going to s- stand for something. Um, but I don't think, I don't like Dover's an easy out. Uh, so it's a nice fight. It's going to be a fun watch, but not something I'm too interested in from a DK perspective. Okay. Opening fight on the main card, we have Alexander Rakic versus Tiago Santos. This is a light heavyweight bout. Rakic is 8,600. Santos will be coming in at 7,600. Santos, is he getting a little bit long in the tooth? He is now 37 years old, lost his last fight in November to Glover Teixeira. Uh, Prior to that, he lost in July of 2019 to John Jones. Uh, Rakic is coming off a pretty nice victory over Anthony Smith uh, last August. Um, obviously, eight years younger. Um, it should be a pretty fun uh, light heavyweight bout, right? I think so. Santos doesn't really do boring uh, unless John Jones is dancing around him for five rounds and, and leg-kicking him till his ACL and MCL and everything else explodes. Um, but, yeah, you know, Rackage is kind of the opposite lately. Uh, two straight fights have kind of been clunkers you know anthony smith he he dominated but it was really just a lot of control um you know he knocked him down early and then just kind of coasted the remaining two rounds ozdemir you know i thought he won the ozdemir fight it was a little bit better of a fight but again a a close fight against a a good but not great light heavyweight um you know before that it was it was two straight first round ko's so um you know what are we going to get here Santos is really the, at this point in his career, it's just YOLO Santos. Uh, he's going to come at you and, and want to knock you out in a hurry. Um, he's not easy to put away, though he can be knocked out or submitted. Um, and, you know, the Glover Teixeira fight, it was like uh, both guys should have won in like two or three different spots. You know, it should have, like Teixeira hurt him early, Santos then hurt him back, and then uh, or other way around. Santos hurt Glover early. Glover hurt Santos. Santos comes back in the third and, and, you know, hurts Glover, and you think it's over for Glover, and then Glover manages to take him down, submit him. And, you know, Santos was so upset with himself uh, after the fight that he got submitted. You could see it. Um, you know, the age is a concern, but the Jones fight was five really grueling rounds, and it took a lot out of him. He tore his knee up. Um, you know, so the fight after that... Uh, it's a tough bounce back no matter what, especially against Glover Teixeira, a guy who's such a professional. 
you know, the, the things I liked out, out of Santos is he still looked explosive. He still looked powerful, maybe a step slower, but, um, you know, that's, that's his path to victory. He's going to have to knock Rakic out. He's probably not winning a decision. Rakic, on the other hand, can probably wrestle if he chooses to. He's a really strong dude, much younger. Uh, you know, he's not the best technical wrestler, but that, that strength really lends itself well to it. Um, he's got power. Uh, you know, we've seen it. He's knocked out some, some folks with devastating shots. Um, Santos is not immune to that. He will rush forward and, and force the issue. So uh, could be a good GPP fight to target. Really tough to pick a winner. I'd, I'd pick Rakic if I'm handicapping it, but not a not a confident lean. And the last fight that we'll preview is going to be the main event of the undercard. Uh, it's going to be Dominic Cruz versus Casey Kenny. Uh, both fighters coming in at 8,100. I don't really understand why. Um, Cruz is 35 years old. Um, I honestly thought he was older just because before the podcast, we talked about how his body had started to give out on him. Only has one fight in really the last four years, and that was a loss last May to Henry Cejudo. Uh, Kenny fights a lot, though. Uh, four fights in 2020. He had three fights in 2019. So, I mean, he's he's busy. He stays active. And, like, he fought twice last October alone. So, if I have to pick someone here, I'm going to take Kenny. Um, I'll lean the younger guy, the one who I f- feel his body is probably in better condition and won't fail in mid-fight. Right. Uh, you know, Cruz, he's he's 35, but it's an old 35. He's been a pro since 2005, so 16 years. There were some layoffs in there due to injury. You know, he had a bad knee tear, shoulder injury. Um, you know, he's he's one of the only guys to beat Demetrius Johnson. Uh, Uriah Faber could never get by him. Uh, but then, you know, he lost to Cody Garbrandt, lost the title. Tried to come back. Body quit on him. This was in 2017. Uh, tried to come back in 2019 again. A little more of the same, but managed to get into the ring in 2020 uh, for a title shot against Henry Segudo, which, you know, this is how much the UFC loves Dominic Cruz is they, they put him in the ring not having fought in, you know, almost five years into a title shot. Um, and Segudo stops him at the end of the second. It was a fairly competitive fight up till then. You know, Cruz tried to cry early stoppage, but he was on the mat taking punches. Uh, you know, anytime a, a fighter wants to argue that a referee stopped the fight too soon, my answer is stop getting punched in the head so much. Like it's, you know, it's not their job to to prevent you from eating shots to your dome and suffering brain damage. It's, it's actually the opposite. It's their job to keep you from having that happen. And um, you know, Keith Peterson stepped in, felt they had to. I was fine. With it. Um, you know, uh, is that going to happen here? Maybe, maybe not. I don't. I don't think Kenny has got devastating power. Uh, it's more the volume that Kenny can put out these days. You, you know, against uh, Halai Alatang. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen that many kicks land uh, in, in a fight before. He he beat Alatang pillar to post with those kicks, and um, you know, Alatang is just a really tough dude, uh, and was able to. to last till the bell he maybe shouldn't have it probably didn't do him any favors but um that's the kind of dude he is then jump right back in with nathaniel wood a really nice young fighter uh really great fight crew i'm sorry um casey's able to just edge him out a little bit with the volume a little bit more precise um but a very close fight with two young great fighters 
It's hard to say that this is a step up from Wood. You know, maybe it's a lateral move. You know, it's the biggest name he's fought. But, like we said, you know, Cruz, he's lost that dynamic speed. Against Segudo, you know, he was fighting a smart fight up until he got caught. Um, but he didn't look like that that elusive Dominic Cruz that just was constant motion, was in and out, was hitting people when they weren't expecting it. Um, I, I think Casey Kenny is probably going to be well prepared he's going to be hungrier you know Cruz lost his title shot uh maybe he thinks with a win here he could get himself another cheap one in a year or so if he stays on the sidelines but he's got the the announcing gig uh you know lots of options for him outside of the ring I, I don't know I think this is just him not being able to to hang it up after two straight losses um in title fights He's going to need one more to, to probably show him the light. Casey Kenny probably gives it to him. It's probably a close fight. It's, it's not a domination, but um, you know, Cruz will probably have some bad things to say about the decision afterwards and be unhappy with it. And Casey Kenny will have that on his record to propel him into the, to the top rank of the division. All right. Now, uh, if you want the rest of the breakdown of the card, be sure to check out Mike's uh, UFC 259 playbook. Uh, subscribe. You know, uh, we are in the chat on Saturdays leading up until Locke answering questions. We also try to keep it as updated as possible in the event that a, a fight is canceled uh, Saturday afternoon or Saturday morning. Um, but with that said, uh, how are you approaching cash games this week? Are you stacking a five-round fight or are you just targeting two uh, championship <laughs> fighters to possibly build around? Uh I'm probably going to go with Nunez followed up by the Jan Sterling stack. Okay. Um, it, you know, I, I don't see that fight ending quickly, you know, unless Sterling manages to pull another rabbit out of the hat like he did against um, Sandhagen. But uh, Jan's, Jan's a little too wily for that. So, um, you know, if you don't want to pay up for Nunez, Adesanya is, I guess, the next step down from there. Um you probably don't want Makachev if you can go without Asanya. Um, and, and if you're not going to stack at all, I would still say Aljo is probably the best dog if you're not going to go with Jan, you know, if you, if you don't want to have that fight stacked. Um, really cheap fighters, you know, we talked about Dober, you know, not in a cash game sense, but as a guy that... Um, could could be a winner uh, at a really cheap price. Um, you know, Blahovich isn't the worst piece of a cash game at 7K. Um, you know, he's probably going to get you a little bit of grappling, a little bit of volume, and he's got, you know, a decent shot at the win. He is the champ at 205. It's, you know, he, he's not a, he, he's not a nobody. Um, then out of there, you know, you're you're getting into the mid sevens. Some some people like Kyler Phillips, um, Alon Cruz, a couple of names that you probably want to consider in the cash game world. Uh, mid range, not not a great mid range this week. Uh, you know, Tim Elliott is a guy we always chase on DraftKings, but he yeah, just because like he can take a beating and like, but he's also he's he's tough as nails, right? Like he came back to MMA, you know. He, or, I guess he never retired or anything, but he was away with an injury for a bit. And he came back and like still had the, the same pace, but not the same gas tank. Uh, and then that failed him. So he went to um, 
trained down with James Krause, and in his last yeah. fight, he was more measured, and it, it worked for him. Well, I remember, uh, like, uh, because he lost three straight fights, and he thought he was yeah. going to get released, and then they gave him a new contract, and that kind of, like, breathed new life into him, and he actually ended up winning his last fight. Yeah, gave him some money for training. Ryan Benoit, not the best fighter, but, like, a solid-ish name, you know, mm-hmm. lower tier in the division, but, like, you know, a guy that probably belongs in the UFC. Um, you know, it's it's... Espinosa is a really good athlete, so that's kind of the the hesitation I have there. Is he could hang with Elliot and and maybe gas Elliot? So it'll all depend on what Tim Elliot comes out. So I don't know if that's a cash game kind of play, but yeah, it's it's probably pay up and then pay down uh, stars okay. and scrubs a little bit this week in cash. Now, uh, how likely is it? Do you think that we see this trend of just unpredictable results like? showing face or do you think that this is the card where we see a return to normalcy we see the better fighters win or or uh i guess the more uh projectable fighters win i mean when there's three title fights one of the belts usually changes hands mm-hmm. uh, i don't think nunez is losing you know so it's probably one of the other ones they're more competitive tilts but you know women's mma stuff happens you know uh it's we we all thought uh, Ronda Rousey was the goat and, and was never going to lose until she did and looked you know pathetic <laughs> in losing. So um, you know maybe, maybe Nunez has a little bit of that coming her way, but I don't think so. Um, uh, you know Jan again is probably up against it. So Aljo for me is is the easiest pick of the three, but that's also going to make him the most popular because it's a you can envision that path. Um, you know, if you really want to propel yourself in the GPP, it might be Jan Blahovich uh, pulling off an upset that nobody wants to see happen. All right, Mike. Well, uh, thank you for your time. Uh, we will be on the lookout for your playbook uh, and everything else you have to offer. The Cornerman video, the Wager Alarm video. Uh, best of luck to you this weekend and best of luck to the FA Nation.